Welcome to Wheels Up. I'm Mark Robertson. This is our podcast that focuses on some of the offbeat stories we hear coming out of the airlines and the people who work there. And we're talking, as usual, to our buddy Jay Ratliff, iHeartRadio's airline expert and former airline executive. Hello, Jay. Hello, sir. How are we? I'm doing well. Okay. Other than I have Atlanta Braves season tickets. Well, we're not going to go there. And I'm ticked about the All-Star game. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> well, we'll get into a portion of that um, later on. Um, okay. there, there are some some unusual stories that have surfaced in the last um, week or so. First of all, I understand on, I think it was Spirit Airlines, someone tried to open the emergency door? Yeah, it's it's kind of, we should make it an Olympic sport. It happens <laughs> about every other week, it seems, where someone's on board the flight, they're upset, or they've had too much to drink, or what, we've had... We've had people walking over to the emergency door thinking it's a lavatory that has a handle on the outside that you have to <laughs> yank to get in. So it's a, it's never boring in this world of, of aviation for sure. But, yes, and you had passengers that were very quick to help the flight attendants respond. And as you and I have discussed for some time, you can't open up the door of an emergency exit of an aircraft that's pressurized at flight. You just can't do it. Now, that's not to say that if somebody goes – uh, you know, walks up to the front of the cab and you happen to see them, they start yanking on the handle, that you're not going to get a little bit uh, anxious sure. at the sight of it. Um, but, yeah, and it's always fun to, to watch because you'll have people come up and respond. They'll help the flight attendant subdue the individual, and then they normally land at the at destination uh, or they'll make a, a stop at an unscheduled spot to get the individual off the plane. But the tweets afterwards cite the heroes that came rushing to the rescue to stop the man before he opened up the door. And I mean, I get it. Most people don't recognize that you can't open up the door, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it happens frequently, unfortunately. And from time to time, uh, you know, if it happens on a flight of yours, hopefully they don't make an unscheduled stop to get the offender off. Sometimes they just kind of, uh, you know, subdue him with some of the zip tie handcuffs and uh, have him in a seat until the plane makes it to the destination. And they're the first one that goes off. My favorite one was an international flight where someone was doing that, and the passengers duct taped the man to his seat. <laughs> and if you if you see the picture of this, they had fun doing it. And I, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking that's the perfect way to handle the in-flight emergencies and situations we have. That's right. Because they 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 taped him to the seat till the plane landed where it was supposed to go, <laughs> and then cut him out. <laughs> that's the problem. They cut him out. Um, well, well. I, I kind of wonder when people do this. I mean, you said, you know, is it possible that the guy either was drunk or just thought he was going into a different room, you know, going to the bathroom or whatever. But what scares me is if the guy tries to open the door, you know, what was he trying to accomplish? Well, some, they, they're, they're, they're wanting to kill themselves and everybody on board the plane. Yeah. Uh, some that are just out of their minds because they're under the influence of something and they're trying to get away from whatever they think is the imminent danger that's on board the aircraft, not really recognizing that, okay, you don't want that door open for a lot of obvious reasons. Um, and for some, it's just, they're so aggravated, and agitated. They're going over and just, you know, yanking on the handle uh, in an attempt to get some attention from the flight crew who's not listening to them. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons that people have done it over the years, uh, but each time it ends the exact same way. I mean, if you got some C4, you might be able to blow it off. <laughs> but, uh, you know, most people don't have that on board a plane, so you're not going to be too too worried about it. Sure. 
this is Wheels Up, our podcast about the um, airline industry and the some of the unusual stories. I was um, reading about this, and I thought this was kind of intriguing. Um, the story said that there is a new supersonic commercial airliner that was announced. Apparently, they hope to maybe have a flight by the end of the decade, and they say they could possibly fly passengers from New York to London in under an hour. Yep, that's that's the goal. And again, it's nine years away. Yeah. So, you know, what people want to hope to see happen versus what will sometimes are, are different types of things because there's a lot of things that have to come into play first. Supersonic flight, of course, has been something that uh, most people have been uh, fascinated with since we had the Concorde. And, uh, you know, we we see pictures of Air France and the old Concorde for British Airways. And uh, the idea that, you know, you could get to, to your destinations far faster. And, and the idea is we've had advancements in some supersonic technology mm-hmm. that would allow us to even go faster. But, uh, you know, a real good trivia question, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it. What U.S. airline had a supersonic Concorde? I think it's a uh, – isn't it a company that's no, uh, like TWA or – well, you would think it would be a large international carrier, and yes, they are no longer in business, but it was Braniff. It was Braniff, okay. Braniff had uh, one for about a year, year and a half or so in Braniff colors, uh, which was really interesting at the time. But, of course, it became it became far too costly to operate uh, for a profit. Most of them had to have government subsidies to kind of help them going. It was more of a status symbol mm-hmm. than anything. So for airlines that look for ways to uh, – transport passengers for you know as cheaply as possible going the supersonic route is fun to talk about but operationally from a logistics standpoint it's just not feasible that's why the boeing 747 aircraft one i love my favorite commercial airplane ever uh, bit the dust commercially because it has four engines Mm -hmm. and airlines now can accomplish the same thing with wide body aircraft seating almost as many, but utilizing two engines versus four, which is obviously more fuel efficient, less costly to operate, and the preferred choice for airlines, uh, you know, to use. Well, Arion, who who is going to make the, the flight, um, says they hope, like I said, they hope to have the first flight by the end of the decade. I guess my question is, if they're going to fly, it says they can, they'll have the ability to fly up to 50 people, which, how do you make that cost efficient? You'd have incredible uh, prices. The Concorde, it was about 90, I think 95, 97 people. It was similar to the smaller DC-9 mm-hmm. cabin-type things. Very loud. They cruised at an altitude of just, just over 60,000 feet. Um, you don't want anybody in their way when they're flying. Yeah, really. But uh, it's, you know, you, you, it would come at an extreme cost, and that's that's the issue. And right now, as airlines are being pushed in the direction of biofuels, utilizing fuels that are green, uh, the type that are planet-friendly, the idea is, okay, can we generate and produce the type of fuel that can be used safely at a cost that is efficient where the airlines would want to go that route? Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, right now, it's difficult for the airlines to do that. And, uh, you know, I think the, the goal is by 2050, they want to see the airlines carbon neutral by utilizing fuels that are not carbon-based. And, well, look, you know, that's a bunch of years down the road. So uh, the people that are projecting that's going to happen aren't really going to be in positions of power at that time to be told they were wrong if it doesn't happen. But it all comes down to how costly it's going to be. Because, look, all of us would love to have solar power and green, you know, alternatives for ways to, you know, take care of things. 
I'd love to have an electric car if it performed as my car would. Mm-hmm. The problem is they don't, and they're they're normally more expensive, and the maintenance costs are more expensive, which really takes away the incentive for a lot of consumers to go that route. Sure. And you face the same thing if you're an airline executive looking at buying a, a fleet of aircraft that you're going to use for many years into the future. Interesting. Uh, and the only other question I had for you about the supersonic is, do they necessarily – if they're going at speeds of maybe Mach 4 plus, do they use less energy, less fuel than another plane, or is it using more? Well, they're, they're using a bit more, but the, the problem is flying at that speed, you can't do it over the United States. So what happens in, in the case of Braniff that we mentioned, they ran their Concorde out of Dallas, mm-hmm. and it was Dallas to London. So what, as they flew from Texas over to New York, which was the flight pattern before they crossed over the Atlantic on the, the northerly route, they had to fly at a normal speed of, let's say, 500 miles an hour before they could punch it up to 1,500, but they could only do that over the the ocean because of the sound barrier. So because if you did that over land, you'd be breaking dishes and all these other kind of things and creating all kinds of problems. So as a result, you can have that, but you have operational limits as far as when that type of speed can be employed, not only over the United States but over other other areas uh, as far as around the world over over land. So there's a lot of conditions that come into play there that make the operation of that airplane a a bit of a challenge. Interesting. Okay. Um, Let's talk about something that we've mentioned in the past, but apparently it may become a reality, and that is um, a COVID. We're we're seeing a lot of interest in this, and we're seeing, in fact, we were being told just recently that as of mid-April, We'll have iPhones and uh, the Androids that will have apps that can be used as a COVID-19 passport. So if you're flying internationally, you've received the vaccine, you have the app, you can use the app to show in a, verifi- uh, in a verifiable manner the airline that you're flying to Europe, Asia, wherever it might have to be, that you've received the vaccine. That means that you can be cleared so that when you land, you're not going to have the have an imposed 14-day quarantine. You can go about your business. And for a lot of people, they're thinking this is really going to stir a lot of international travel because a lot of people right now don't want to fly because, you know, who has a, <laughs> a vacation long enough that, well, the first two weeks I'm quarantined, <laughs> and then I have to go there. And then when I come back to the United States, I could be facing some issues as well. Mm-hmm. So the thought is that this could help. Now, my concern, and, and I'm really curious about this, is there's a great deal – of advancement being pushed in this direction at a time when we're reaching, not the turning point, uh, but as more and more people get vaccinated, the less of a need that this type of technology is is really uh, we're going to need for. So the, the question is, are we looking at doing more with this passport? In other words, is it possible that we could be looking at the need of maybe flying domestically using this in the United States. And it's been about six weeks ago the Biden administration had talked about some sort of a COVID passport mm-hmm. for domestic flights. Airlines pushed back. But I could really see the, the scenario unfold where airlines and the government say, look, we're having so many people act up over flights and not wearing masks, creating disturbances, blah, 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 that for the time being, short time being, we're only going to allow people with the vaccine to fly. Mm. And you're going to have to prove that you have the vaccine in order to fly. And those that have chosen not to receive the vaccine uh, will certainly uh, allow you to travel just as soon as it's safe to do so. So I can see them doing this. It's a dumb idea. It's a horrible idea. 
and for something that's a voluntary vaccine, I mean, it's like, what, what are you talking about? But uh, it's being used so much internationally and being so well-received that uh, it's quite possible we could see it here in the United States, and I hope not, because if they do that, then you're going to see restaurants and concert places and theaters. All these others are going to say, look, if you've got the vaccine, you can prove it. Come right on in. We'd love to have you. If not, we're going to refuse to serve you. And you talk about a, a, a legal mess at this point in time, but uh, that's not stopped bad ideas over the last year from coming into play. So we'll see what happens. Well, considering the fact that people are starting to fly again, I kind of wonder if they did institute something like that, would there be enough uh, blowback that it would affect the bottom line of the air, the airlines? You would see some, and that's a good point, because we're coming off you know, roughly 30-plus days in a row where we've mm-hmm. had more than a million people a day flying, and that's up considerably. And one of the objections airline executives had to a domestic COVID passport was that it would kind of repress some of those travel numbers because you have some people that have not had the vaccine that are ready to fly, that are willing to wear a mask, and they show up at the airport and away they go domestically. And the thought is if we have that in place where you have to prove you've had the vaccine to fly, it would cause those numbers to drop off a bit. And airlines, of course, needing all the money they need right now from every possible passenger, the thought is it would be not really a good idea if we head in that direction. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the fact that if they had the, the passport, it might allow people to fly without a mask. And I know that that story has gone um, um, to, to Southwest's ballpark since, you know, Southwest just started serving um, Savannah. We'd like talking mm-hmm. about it. And we apparently have a couple that get, got booted from a Southwest flight, and the people on board were very happy that it happened. You know, it the video that's gone viral only shows a part of it, obviously, once mm-hmm. it became kind of an event. But you see the flight attendant talking to two people in the bulkhead or the first row, and they both, the passengers, have their masks on over the mouth, over their nose. And the the lady who's the passenger saying, ma'am, we, we have our mask on as you told us to do. So apparently there was an issue beforehand. Right. And the passenger looked at the flight attendant, called her a liar, and that's kind of when the flight attendant became an umpire. You know, you're out of here type of thing, and away they went. But the the, the thought was okay, then everybody starts cheering, clapping, and off the two passengers go. And then the Southwest flight attendant breaks into a dance. I saw that, yes. And, and you know, that, that bothered me because I'm thinking, do they get a bonus for everybody they kick off? I, it, it's just I don't see police officers doing their job and then, you know, dancing down the street after they've handcuffed someone. So it, it just seemed a, a bit out of place for such a great airline. I, I've yet to hear Southwest response to that. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, again, every every week we have multiple stories where we have issues with the mask. And that's why I think that some sort of a COVID passport so you can fly without a mask uh, would be something that would resonate at least with a certain segment of the population uh, that are getting tired of, A, wearing a mask, and, B, having people that, for whatever the reason, feel that they can show up at an airport, challenge that rule, and get away with it. You're not, and you're going to be kicked off the plane and probably banned from flying that airline for a period of time. And you could face a fine from the Federal Aviation Administration. Mm-hmm. Well, the video apparently has gone viral. It's a TikTok video. I've actually posted it on my blog for people to see. But something clearly has happened because almost the entire plane stands up and applauds when they're kicked off the plane. And then I saw the flight attendant doing her little, what you call this little dance. And I think she was just, it's, I got the impression that 
they were all at wit's end that they'd had enough with this couple and were happy that they were off the plane. But you're right. Is it is it professional with the way she was handled? She yeah, handled I, 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 yeah, I didn't like it that way. But look, if you and I are on a plane and you've got a couple of people who know the rules before they get to the airport, choose not to follow those rules, and they're delaying the flight you and I are on, yeah, we're ticked. Get them off the plane. I mean, obviously, if they're not going to comply, get them off. So I, there's this type of thing, but... You know, we've seen so many times where passengers have been chanting and different things, and we had a frontier situation a, a number of weeks ago where they, the, the passengers were screaming at the frontier flight attendants because one of the children weren't wearing a mask that happened to be 18 months old, which under federal guidelines you don't need a mask, but it created such a, a stir that they had to cancel the whole flight because of all the passengers that were so vocal at this group of 10 people that were boarding the flight. And uh, all of them had their mask on, as they should. Some of them had, you know, decorative masks, so it looked like they kind of took that seriously, having some really nice-looking masks. But the whole flight was canceled because of a decision, uh, because it just got so out of hand. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're seeing these types of scenarios escalate, and we're also seeing an increase in the number of those. And as a result, you know, airlines are doing what they can, but we still have people showing up and, and trying to, to, to prove a point for some reason. Right. All right, let's go from Southwest to American Airlines. Apparently, they were the last airline to be setting aside the middle seat for social distancing, and that is history. Well, actually, for them it is, but, you know, Delta Airlines uh, has stated that they're going to continue it for some time. Really? In, in fact, they, they puff out their chest, saying that we are protecting passengers, almost like any other airline, and we are not going to sell that middle seat until May 1st. All the other airlines, and you're exactly right, have done away with that. Uh, Southwest Airlines has increased the number of people per flight. Other Air JetBlue and all the others have, have opened it up now where the flights can be filled, every seat being sold, Delta being the lone exception. Hmm. <laughs> Until this past weekend, Delta had a staffing issue where they had to cancel 100 flights because they did not have enough staffing, which is interesting because you have advanced reservations you know what's coming but they weren't prepared and they had to decide what to do with all these excess passengers well you know what they decided for two days on sunday and monday to open up those middle seats on those flights that get those passengers where they needed to go which means on tuesday they were going to go back to their previous position of blocking the middle seat now i'm somebody says wait a minute Time out here. If we're blocking the middle seat out of concern over the safety of the passengers, does that mean for the sake of your revenue, you're going to open up those middle seats and turn on the spigot and have people fly and then turn it back off onto? I mean, it makes no sense. And that's one of the things that drives me just absolutely bananas, but it doesn't surprise me because airlines are in the business of managing perception. And the idea is they can say that we are doing this out of. See, it was one thing a year ago when the airline stood up and said, we are so we feel so strongly about protecting our passengers. We're going to block the middle seat regardless of how much revenue it costs. That's their statement. Mm -hmm. Now, me, I'm saying, wait a minute, you only have 19 people on a flight. What are you losing by blocking the middle seat? Nothing. But the minute we started to see the demand for travel pick up last year into the fall, towards the end of the year, well, guess what? That's when the airlines thought, you know, losing some money here so yeah we decided <clears throat> it's now safe to open up this middle seat to have people fly and uh it's a joke and that's why delta saying their position how they were going to be even safer until the may 1st yeah 
apparently safety is uh, is something that's on and off again because of uh, the position that they took this past weekend. So they are going to keep blocking seats until May 1st. Is that the understanding? That's it, unless they have another staffing issue where they need to turn the ticket <laughs> on and open it. You know, you would think that yeah. they would look at each other and say, you know what's going to happen when we do this. But the short-sighted, I need to do this now type of thing, uh, you know, it's it just amazes me. It's like airlines right now that need to weigh in in, in Texas and in Georgia over the voting laws. And I'm thinking, you're a business that caters to everyone. Why would you even open your mouth to make a position one side or the other? Because you're running the risk of alienating some of your customers. Airlines many times do things that are questionable, and we see that every single day. And in Delta's case here with blocking, unblocking, blocking the middle seat, it's just it's laughable, uh, especially when they're saying, uh, you know, let, show, let us see, show you how, how dedicated we are to keeping our passengers safe. Either do it or don't do it. You have to. Yeah. You absolutely have to, because the minute you do that, you, you look foolish. Right. And uh, it makes the other airlines, you know, have the opportunity to, to uh, you know, capitalize on things. But it's, you know, and if they had any fun, they would do some commercials on it. But they never do that like the, you know, Burger King, McDonald's type of thing, which are always fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. Well, since you brought it up and it's a good way to end this uh, uh, installment of our podcast, let's talk about Delta and American both going political. Mm-hmm. In your uh, On your e-blast, I thought I liked your, your comment. You said Tom Selleck was once asked why he doesn't share his political views, and, mm-hmm. he, and he said to alienate one half of my fan base would be ill-advised, but American and Delta are doing that. Yeah, they, they felt that it's necessary, for whatever the reason, to come out and, and, and oppose those two requirements. And and when you look at that, of course, Americans based in Texas and, and Delta is based in Georgia. So I get that. But, you know, when somebody comes to them and says, we, we feel strongly about this issue and we feel like you need to take a position, that's when the businesses need to say no. I mean, we, we, we're not in the business of that um, and, and leave it at that. But they are so compelled many times by a very small group of people mm-hmm to make statements such as we oppose this, we think it's a lie, we think, you know, we're for this or that, basically taking a position on the on on the the law that may go against some people and go for some people, it makes no sense. But airlines have been doing two years ago, you and I talked about this, KLM Airlines, they've been around for a hundred years, mm-hmm. two summers ago. People were pressuring the airline industry because they were killing the planet. Airplanes flying around the world are killing us. We we need to fly less. So KLM decided to adopt a fly responsibly campaign. People think I'm making this up. They went out in that summer and, and encouraged their frequent flyers, the people that frequent their airline, and they fly all over the world. And they said, you really need to consider whether or not your next tripper is necessary. Maybe you don't have to. Maybe a phone call. Maybe a, a video conference call. If not, maybe take the train. This was an airline that had been around for 100 years encouraging everyone to not fly because of the position that they were taking on, you know, trying to reduce the global footprint of commercial aviation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how stupid it is, because I'm thinking, you know, if everybody does what you say, you're going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. So is that a smart position to take? And the obvious answer is no. But when you have a, a group of people that exert the kind of pressure that so many of these do, airlines feel like they have to respond instead of just having the backbone to say no. No, this is not what we do. This is not the business we are. 
Unfortunately, Delta executives have in the past commented on gun control. They've commented on voting. They've commented on so many different things that it's like an actor who no longer acts but is a political expert. Or you have the, the sporting events that do this or do that based on political pressure. And it's frustrating because uh, it's it's kind of the trend that's going on right now. And we'll, only time will tell if Delta and American are going to have to pay a price in, with regards to fewer passengers based on the positions that they're taking. Right now you can't measure that because of the demand that we have for people wanting to fly again. But over time, if it continues, look, there's a lot of people that don't watch the NFL like they used to because it's gotten so political. And there's a very good chance if airlines become a political uh, you know, mouthpiece that you're going to have airlines saying, I'm not going to support that. I'll fly to my destination on another airline because, hey, there's other choices. Well, let's face it, American and Delta are probably the two largest airlines and have the most number of cities served. And I would think that if neither of them took a stand on this issue and somebody said, you know, well, I've got to fly, but I'm not going to fly with them. I'll fly somewhere with someone else. There may not be another carrier that goes to the city they're going to. Maybe, but, you know, the dancing flight attendants, Southwest, they go to a lot of places. You might might jump on one of their flights. So you, you have options. And, you know, the real key here is if this is such a great idea, let's see what United does. Let's see what. JetBlue. Let's see what the other airlines do. Let's see if they, too, adopt some sort of a position. Now, look, they're not based in any, either one of those states, so maybe they won't. But if it's that good of, of a thing to do, then other airlines will be encouraged to follow suit. And if you don't see the other airlines following along, <laughs> that's a pretty good indication because they play follow the leader that uh, it may not have been the best idea. So I think it's the Harvard Business School that teaches that uh, you know, businesses don't, are not to take positions on these because you could alienate a good portion of your um, your, your clientele. But you know, so, some people speak before they think, and then they have to, because Delta Airlines CEO initially was very much in favor of the Georgia voting law, right, and spoke to that effect, and then got backlash and had to quickly, almost pulling a hamstring in the process, mm-hmm. reversing the position. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. I meant this. Mm-hmm. And, and why these individuals who, you know, Ed Bastian, he was here in Cincinnati with uh, Com Air, just a brilliant man. But why people that have that level of intelligence can't see what an absolute ass they are when they're taking that kind of a position and flip-flopping and, and, and all this and that, it just, look, you're in the business of transportation. You're great at what you do. Stick to that and leave everything else alone. But Far too often, that's not the case. And you ended your your uh, your column with saying that you would rather see more effort expended on addressing safety issues than sure. than political issues. Look, if Delta wants to talk about you know safety and doing this and that and 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 protecting the rights of different people, hey, let's talk more about you know screening your employees before they have access to the ramp. Right. Most most airport doesn't don't do that. We're not spending as much money as we should on the the security of the aircraft that remain overnight at all the different outstations. We we have so many areas of safety, especially as we're approaching the anniversary of 9/11, a 20 year anniversary later mm-hmm. this year, mm-hmm. uh, that we should be spending a lot of time focusing on. We're not. Instead, we're talking about political things. And unfortunately, that that takes our eye off the ball. And hey, look, I I love this energy. Let's just spend it on something that is aviation related and something that would, in fact, make it safer for everyone to fly.
Jay, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Wheels Up. If you've got a question or comment for Jay for a future installment, I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email. My address is markrobertson at iheartmedia.com. And Jay, we will talk again very soon. Thank you. Always, always look forward to it. My pleasure. 